1: Well, good morning and god's morning to you welcome to another broadcast of the jesus and paula show this is i am apostle ashley kicking off today's episode as the one and only dr paula a price will catapult this into whatever dimension of truth and reality that we need to be catapulted into i hope that you are taking this time of year to really reflect uh, everybody does the end of one year the beginning of the next you fall into it whether you want to or not And also preparing, as we say here, for God's future. Are you preparing for God's future? I know just for myself personally, you know, we're in a different place. We're in a different place spiritually. Obviously, we're physically in a different place than where we were before. But God is in a different place. And uh, yesterday, Dr. Price and I were talking about how a lot of the concessions that we could make before we can't make anymore, a lot of the flexibility and laxities that we had with each other, with our leaders, with our subordinates, with our trainees, with ourselves, that we had before, we don't have anymore. And it's almost like it's been an abrupt shift a hard reset, which is what she has been speaking on. Uh, we haven't mentioned it by name in a little bit, but we're still in the hard reset. And that reset is resetting our minds, resetting our expectations, resetting our perspectives, our approach, and really kicking up the urgency in which God is moving in. There is a, a, um, a lack of wiggle room that we're all finding ourselves in. We, we're, we're used to kind of being a little flexed in how we do things, a little flex in how we execute our mantles, how we execute our ministry. Uh, This is how I see it. This is my flavor. This is my way. This is my anointing. But that's gone. And there's a tightening of the reins. There's a tightening of the yoke. There's a tightening of, of the hand of God particularly on his leaders and on his ministers and those of you who are in a trainee process. It's one thing when you're training for an office in a time of peace. It's another thing when you're training for an office in a time of war. And we're really in a time of war in the kingdom. We see it in the natural, and it's happening in the spirit realm. And uh, there's, you know, even a sense of humor and a lightheartedness that used to accompany us that really is no more at least for this time. Now is that saying we don't laugh? Of course not. I'm sure we'll laugh ridiculously about something on this show today. Does that mean we don't have a good time? No, that doesn't mean that at all. What it means is this the sober spirit that God has released is settling in. And gone are the days of the fly-by-night charismatic expression being proud of ourselves for coloring outside of the lines, it's time to fall in line because officers fall in line. Trainees fall in line and because he is straightening out his body, half of how we got here is because of private interpretation and our personal expression of what these offices are all about. Even as saints in general, as Christians, as the elect of God, we don't really have the flexibility that we think we have. We have taught a flexibility in Jesus that can't be found in Scripture. We have taught that, you know, now in, in, the, in the United States, hey, we're, we're free, we're liberal, land of the free, home of the brave. And we just roll that over into everything that we do for the Lord. But that is not the case. And so I would tell you today, it's time to sober up. It's time to get out those smelling salts. You know how you always see somebody's out and they put the smelling salts, actually it wakes them up. (laughs) And it's just, I don't even know whatever they smell like. And it just snaps them out of and pulls them into consciousness and out of whatever altered mental state they were in. And this is like the smelling salts era with the Lord. Everything that's happening is sobering us up. It's, it's shaking off the doldrums. It's shaking off the, the mental just uh, floating even that we do just floating through uh, and I this is really not a good season for me to be in school this is not a good season for me to be trained and this is not a good time and and we brought so many things down to our own uh, personal comfort zone which is not what Jesus died for he did not die so that we could take the comfort zone approach to doing what he died for he died he came and died, and resurrected, and ascended, and is seated at the right hand of the Father so that we could do it as he did it. We have our decrees, and we're going to talk about, as he is, so are we in this world. And and it's true, but uh, that's really in everything. Are we as he is in how he handled his ministry? Are we as he is in how he respected his leader? Whenever Jesus was stepping ahead of time, by stepping out of line ahead of time, his Father sent him back. Son, we have, you have to keep you in the right timing of what this is all about. All of that, all of it right now is going to be very costly for the saints because that day is over. That era is over. It was largely mishandled anyway. When you go back and listen to a lot of these leaders from the previous move, they will say, I mean, come on, when Joyce Meyer will stand up there and say, we mishandled the prosperity movement. We Yeah, there are things that we didn't do correctly. It ran away, dish ran away with the spoon. And you have other leaders standing up admitting how the previous dispensation was completely mishandled. God can't afford to have that again. He just can't. He cannot afford to have another 25 or 30 years be mishandled because we see the mess we have now by the previous mishandling. And while we were riding high on the hog on decreeing and chanting about money coming into our bank accounts and and families expanding and all those things, and God wants us to be prosperous, hello. He can't get anything done with poor people. You can't get much done broke but cry. Tears are free. You notice you don't have to pay for tears. They just come out freely, just no charge. (laughs) Can't do much more than that. You can smile. You can laugh. But as far as getting things done, not so much. For us to get into the property that we're in now took a whole lot more than prayer. But it took 20, 30, 40 years of prayer even to get to the door of the opportunity But it took substance. It took money, connections, and deals to get in the door and, of course, to stay here. And so as we're coming to the end of one year, rolling into the end of another, it's really time to evaluate. Have you done, first of all, have you done what you told God you were going to do? I mean, this is all of us. We all have to sit down and take our own personal inventory. Before we start counting God's faith list, before we start questioning, challenging, did we do what we said we would do. I can't even explain to you how many people I know have said they would do this no matter what. There's just nothing that would cause me to quit. I don't know what anything would be that would cause me to walk away. It's a matter of record when we do, and I know Dr. Gill knows because for the entrance exam interviews, excuse me, in the Price University and, and you have, you run down the questions and what would cause you to quit the program? absolute. death. Death, don't they say that? Death would cause me to quit the program. Really? How about money? No, I would just find a way to pay my tuition. What if you get mad because of the homework? I'm not a quitter. I wouldn't quit. Only death would cause me to quit this training. And we laughed every time. said, <laughs> Okay, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Because the moment of passion does not equal commitment and there's people who have a lot of passion in the moment ah your Holy Spirit is flowing you watched it online this woman of God the wisdom it might be somewhere else you might have enrolled in school to to uh, expand your career to finish your education it doesn't have to be with us Uh, and that passion is flowing and you enroll and the juices are going and then you get through midway through your first course your first semester and you realize What it's going to take to finish is more than a moment of excitement and elation riding off of the high of a new experience. All of a sudden, you're offended. You're afflicted. Your flesh is afflicted, bless his holy name, because you have to stay up 10 nights in a row, 52 weeks in a row, doing homework, blurry-eyed, bleary-eyed. All of these things are what giants are made of. It doesn't matter what career you pursue, this is what it takes to get to the top. In times uh, where you're hot, where you're low, where you're this, where you're that. And so nothing nothing but death would cost me to quit. I don't care. And then your car breaks down. And then something happens with your family. And then maybe you get sick. I mean, all, all kinds of things can happen in life. And, well, it starts with, I'm going to have to take a semester off. Those are the first words that can lead to doom. Now, very few people have I seen can only do that with one semester, rarely. It can happen, but usually it turns into a year or two or five or ten before you come back around to it. So whoever you are, entertaining, putting your obedience to God on forbearance, I want to tell you, now is not the season to do that. You can run out of forbearance, just like with your loans. It's not infinitum. You might find somebody else. To put you into forbearance but you'll have well okay so this is your last one this is your last call and some have been some of you have been putting your obedience to god on delay for all kinds of good earthly reasons there's a reason apostle paul was saying that to timothy about being ensnared with the affairs of this world all of this is in scripture all of it we have resources tools we have advisements if you're stuck if you're stuck in you We have advisements, and we also have some other things going on at the end of the year. We have different products uh, highlighted here, PPM Global Assessments. If you have not taken your Prophetic Aptitude Questionnaire or Ministry Aptitude Questionnaire, you can do that right now for 15% off. 15% off, uh, there is a code. Jesus and Paula is the code of the day. Jesus and Paula, capital letters for each, capital J, capital A, capital P. Jesus and Paula 15% 15% off downloadable audios from PPM Global Resources 15% off take advantage of that listen if you're somebody who is saying it's so hard for me to you know to get this and you've been following for a long time especially because if you're new, anything new is a challenge to, to get it, no matter what it is. If, if you're new to cooking, it's going to take you a season to understand measurements and tablespoon, teaspoon, and this and that and cups and everything else. So anything new has a season of orientation. But if you are not going all the way, all the way down the road, to pursue and to understand and digest, then you're not doing everything you can to be ready for who God has called you to be. So get those audible uh, audio downloads, 15% off, and then off prophetic Ed, 10% off all advisements, including prayer advisements. Code is Jesus and Paula usually that is for new people, right, signing up for new subscriptions or a new advisement or a new prayer advisement. If you're already on something auto, I'm not quite sure if that coupon will work, that discount will work. No. Okay, I didn't think so. So this is for new people. So come on board. Get your 10% off. Change your life forever. You'll want to do that. But now again is the time. Now, now, now is the time for you to not let another year go by another season go by with your promises to the Lord unfulfilled. We hold him accountable. Well, God said he was going to do this and that didn't happen. He said he was going to do this and that didn't happen. He said this was going to happen and that didn't happen. How many of us have ever done that? Run down the grocery list of things. But I remember, as the Lord would say to me, yeah, but remember when I told you to record this training? Remember when I told you to sell this product. Remember when I told you to do this webinar? Remember when I told you to do? So am I falling down on my end of the word, or are you falling down on my end of the word? Because I told you that you would be blessed under these set of circumstances. I told you that your life would change under that set of circumstances. There there was no open-ended fulfillment. And many times we operate like there is some kind of, open-ended option of fulfilling our word to the lord if i placed an order on amazon think and then paid for it and then they decided how i was going to get my product we lose our minds on that because what do we say but i paid for a product to be there at a certain time and that's jesus i can't imagine the patience the self-control that the lord has with us as people because we really do frustrate him We have got to frustrate him because we frustrate each other. (laughs) So I know we frustrate the Lord. He'll say, I sent you there for this express purpose. And it's easy to not realize that because you're doing some of the obedience that you're not doing all of the obedience. As our chief apostle said years ago, nine is not ten. Now she was actually talking about blessings and not accepting nine if God told you ten. But the point can still be applied where in fulfilling obedience, we're going to applaud ourselves. Seven out of ten ain't bad. would it? Don't we? Great job. Great job. Me, I did so great. I did better than I thought I would ever do. And the Lord is like, yeah, but I told you ten. But I told you ten. We agreed on ten. And see, he's coming after the conversations we and he have you and he as when nobody else is around. Not the whole public prophecy moments, but the private time moments, those instructions in your prayer closet, what you have written down in your journal. How many of us said, God, if you ever, if I got out of this situation or circumstance, I promise you I'm going to give you everything you ask for. Did we? <clears throat> Hey, whoa, seven out of ten ain't bad i've given God more here than I have anywhere else. you know that could be whatever you're pursuing or wherever you are, and he's like i'm not impressed with that because <laughs> how many come on, how many of us have said, well, I mean I'm doing more here than I ever did before well i'm doing more here than i i, I, I would have never I would have never submitted myself to this kind of authority somewhere else. God doesn't care about what you personally would or would not have done. This is why we have problems now because again, we bring it back to our personal experience where they ought to be happy that I'm here at all so we went from you and God in send me who will go for us send me Lord I'll go I'll do it in the midst of affliction I won't be like those people that I dog out okay who failed you I won't be like the ones who ruined it I won't be like those people Lord you can trust me you can count on me now he knows he can't but he's gonna send you anyway okay and so he sends you in and true to your nature Boom, trigger. Now, we we say it all the time. I was triggered. Oh, that just triggered me. That just, and then that becomes, now that's the modern excuse. You know, God does not have a trigger exemption. He does not say that because we get offended by somebody that it's okay that we break our word to him. Word says it's better to not make a vow than to make a vow and not pay it. It's better to just not promise than to promise and break your word. So breaking your word, woo word talks about what swearing to your bloodshed promising the bloodshed you have not yet gone to bloodshed I mean in some of us it, it takes nothing others it takes a lot will you finish what you start in God have you finished what you promised him that you would do that's a question that only you can answer with the Lord because you might give yourself a really good score anybody ever do a self-evaluation where you give yourself a really good score and the person evaluating you does not and you're like huh how did that, look, I'll put my hands up. Huh? Surely I was giving myself, look, at, and, and honest hands are waving in the room. And you know who it is? The apostles in training. <laughs> That's whose hands are waving in the room. Talk about, <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. And let me tell you something. You haven't had an evaluation until you're sitting on the other side of the table of Dr. Paula and Price with the 101-point evaluation tool. And then you're going to find out how much you don't measure up because you can measure yourself by yourself, don't you? We all do. You measure yourself by what you perceive other people are or are not doing. You measure yourself by where you see yourself being. Last week, well, this leads right into this statement. Last week she said, grunt grows you. It qualifies you for upward training. Show your grunt degree. <laughs> Show your grunt degree. Anybody who feels like they are above grunt status, you're already in trouble. You're already in trouble. And and I tell you what, I have a friend in the military, and, and he told me that, um, and see, I'm going to get this all wrong, so I'm just going to give you the general idea of what he was saying because technically I cannot remember. As far as the details, because, you know, it's not my field. So he, he's rattled off a whole bunch of things that I'm like, what? Uh, but there comes a, a level of training when an officer goes from being one level to a higher level that they put. Okay, so, you, yeah, you're, you're on it. And so you, you go have to go back through the training as a lower level person before you're promoted to the higher training. Because and see, I can't remember all the technical terms, but she's saying yes, that's correct. Thank, thank you, thank you for the for the judge in the room. Okay, <laughs> they say you and so that you go back down and come back up because and he said so interestingly. He said because they have to know it has to be fresh in your mind what it is to be lower level because you'll get up to the higher level and forget and just lay into people all over the place, forgetting what it was like. Right now I'm in school. I'm in the school of the Holy Ghost and Jesus Christ and Dr. Paula Price. I have homework now and nobody's riding me. See, when you get to these levels, nobody hounds you because, well, you're ordained, you're commissioned. So you're supposed to be the one who doesn't need to be written in order to do the right thing. The word went out, the prophecy went out, you need to be ready at this time next year. These are the books you need to go through. Boom, that's it not coming back, I'm not chasing you, I'm not making you, I'm not whatever. At your appointed time of testing, whatever that means, if you're not ready, that's going to be you and God and whatever that means to him and you and probably this organization because, well, no man is an island and leaders are directly tied to their organization. Summing so up, doing my stuff, doing homework, all that. Well, it's very fresh in my mind, bless God, what it is to be a student once again, being ready for the assignments. And all along the way are breadcrumbs, 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 breadcrumbs. This is where I want to send you. This is where you need to go. This is how you need to be ready. Oh, you need to study this too. Yep. And then here comes God. I don't know if anybody else is in this season. All the outstanding obediences. Disobediences. Excuse outstanding as in past their date of fulfillment, not like great job, but this is standing outside of completion. <laughs> The, he's cashing in on those. you remember how I told you you were supposed to go through this training course and you were supposed to read that book nine months ago, and you, guess what? You're not sleeping for a year. And don't look tired and don't look wasted and don't look running to the ground and don't wear it on your face that you're just putting in all this extra time to get ready. You know, this is how he talks when you're an officer. <laughs> said to uh, Apostle Sally and and several people, um, we have a 36-month probationary period after ordination and commissioning. And we just cleared our three years as apostles. And so we're no longer probationary apostles. And Rachel said to me uh, last week, maybe it was last week, I think, when we were talking about this, she said, oh, so that's what's different. Okay. Because you're a little different right now. And I said, oh, I guess so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That thing settled. The rest settled in. And it's a whole different it's a whole different – when I tell you when you're in the mantle and the mantle is in you, it just operates whenever you're trained. okay. when you're not trained, it operates too just all over the place. And it's, it's just different. There's another anchor. There's another level of seriousness, of heaviness, of whatever. And, uh, and so it's like, ooh, mm-hmm. Yeah, God is a witness to it all, but that grumpy, you, you cannot skip over. Anytime you come into a new environment, you might as well get ready to start over. It doesn't, like when you're a police officer in one state and you come to another state, if the, law, the laws, you then have to go to the academy. Why? Because you have to learn the laws of that land. It's a very humbling thing to start over somewhere else, very humbling. Very, but it's necessary because you can't come into a new thing wearing the old uniform. You can't, we can't have Dr. Price's daughter, she's Memphis PD, you can't have, we can't have a Memphis PD officer wearing a Memphis uniform with Tulsa PD. And that's how we do in the body of Christ. You come from one region of the kingdom, one ministry, and you want to wear that uniform with all of your accolades into a new force. And that's not going to work because it doesn't work anywhere. If you work in one hospital, you can't have just a unilateral transfer without being uh, vetted. You have to be given permissions. You have to be given even temporary, emergency-based, full-time. You can't just walk in and say, I'm Dr. So-and-so at this hospital, and you start handling patients in this other hospital. You can't do that. But in Christ, we believe that we should. Well, I was so-and-so over here. So I'm, I should be equal equal or greater in somebody else's agency, somebody else's insurance agents. Well, I work for Prudential, and so now I'm going to work for somebody else. I mean, you know, just, hey, just flash my Prudential badge. Your badge actually means nothing here until we officially onboard you. There's a whole process for onboarding. We have volunteers in our organization. People come in, and they think because they see us in church that they know how our company – you see Rachel shaking her head right now. Mm -mm. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And they think, well, I mean, I see how you guys kind of flow on Sunday, so I know how things should operate Monday through Friday. Actually, you need to watch this training video. We have a whole schedule. Listen, if you work the front desk, we have a policy protocol. If you have to step away to use the restroom, if you have to take a phone call, if you're on a break, because we can't leave anything uncovered. And while you're trying to be free and be yourself, are you leaving the kingdom susceptible to the enemy coming in, creeping in, sliding in? This building we have has so many doors. When I tell you so many doors. So many doors, so many doors, and they all have locks, and they're all temperamental in different ways. Some slam behind you, almost blow out your eardrums. Other ones don't latch; you have to throw the fullness of your weight into it to get it to close. Some of them just nice and gentle. Not too many of those, though. Wouldn't that be nice? Not just nice and gentle, and all these things going on. And so we had to learn with our security protocols. To always check every door we have vendors coming in contractors coming in going outdoors not checking behind them because in their minds that's not their job security is not their job just to come here what we're paying them to do is their job security is our job because we're the custodians and so as custodians it's our job so God is counting on you to do something magnanimous for him just understand that the custodial elements of the job are essential First, it doesn't matter how gifted and talented you are if you're not keeping watch over what God has given you to do. Like in Scripture, when the the wheat and the tares. Who came and did this? My enemy came by night and sowed this in his field. He knew his enemy did it. The enemy is always trying to sow something in what you're doing, always. As long as you always walk around with that knowledge and acceptance that the enemy is always trying to sow something in you, in your work, in the people that God has called to you, then you will have a different protective measure, won't you? It's like somebody who grew up in a safe environment versus somebody who did not. When you grow up safely, you know what doesn't cross your mind? Danger. It doesn't even cross you. are the person who's always going to leave something open. Did you not see that the door was open? Oh, sorry, yeah. Because nobody's ever walked up on you in your own house and clubbed you upside the head. Nobody has walked into your house and stolen something out of your home because the door wasn't locked. Nobody's broken in through something, just pushed their way in. And somebody who has, you're like, Mm-mm, no, 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 hold on. Let me, let me just go check this door one more time. Let me just check it one more time. What are you doing? I mean, nothing's going to happen. Uh, something already has happened. And if you're that person who has the what's the worst that can happen mentality, then you are prime bait to be played by the enemy because you don't see him coming. And when you see him coming, you don't recognize that it's him coming. Just like a kid talking to a stranger, get over here, Joey. Well, what? I mean, he's just, he's a nice guy. He was telling me he liked my book bag. He was was trying to snatch you up into some slave trade to be sold for sex for the rest of your little life if you survive. No, no, the kid is like, huh? What do those words even mean? <laughs> and that's how we are, right? How did the church get snatched? Because we were taught a false gospel from false preachers saved by false Christ telling us that what the, the enemy wasn't really the enemy. It's not really the enemy. Don't – I know your parents. I know your mom and dad. They actually sent me. You do? Well, they said not to talk to strangers. I know, but you know what? I met them at the library and blah, 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 blah. So, Oh, okay, and just gullible as the day is long because you don't have the experience. Training is to instill in you all of those aspects and elements that the enemy would use to take you out. And to take you out in a moment, in a instant and uh whatever and so the more you fight your training the more you're leaving whatever god has given you or the person you're under the more you're leaving it susceptible to hostile takeover by the enemy that homework is meant to break you down and build you up uh on sunday i think dr price mentioned again the wax on wax off is that sunday again okay because you know between church and soul sunday and i don't know and the wax on, wax off. Do, do you like, okay, I waxed on once. I, you know, do we have a machine to wax this off? <laughs> like, do we, Isn't there an easier way? Isn't there a way that we can just, you know, uh, uh, get this done faster and more expedient? Sometimes that's the case. But then many times when you're called to be the guard, no, no, you're going to do it by hand the hard way. And then you're going to have to mix the wax and find the components and do all those things. So that no matter what happens you can still get the job done and that's what I've learned in in the years being here is that when you are that founder in that trailblazer or on the trailblazers team you are building all the resources that ultimately will be conveniences to other people and ways to expedite what they're doing And for you, it's like, why is everything the hard way? And then everybody coming after us won't have a clue as to what we're talking about. Like right now, we talk about some of the things that we had to do in building this, and they're like, really? Wow. Glad that's not us. Moving on. (laughs) How we do when we hear our grandparents talk about how they used to have to wash clothes by hand and, and wring things out and churn butter and whatnot. And we're like, what is churning butter? Washing when you say washing by hand, what does that mean? Washing you had a board. You had the what is you had a wash board. Now I have an ironing board, but what's a wash? You have to, so you were actually on your, you didn't have a machine. We were the machines. People once were the machines for everything. Much more resourceful. And so once again, This is a great time to not just look backwards and reflect, but to think forward for what God needs of you. Where does he need you to be at whatever time, whatever your timetable is, whatever your assignment is, whatever your obediences are, where are you in your readiness process? Are you on point? Are you on task? Are you with it? Um, Are you in your personal hard reset? I mean, the whole world is in a hard reset. I don't know how anybody could avoid it being in a hard reset right now because this reset is hard but it's necessary because guess what being under the yoke of the enemy is harder that's some pain as we see now every time we turn on a television every time we watch a movie Every time we do this or go out in a restaurant now and everything else, you're like, wow, we really did have it good. So in all of that conversation and whining and crying about the church being so religious and we should just be free and liberal. And I said this on my show yesterday, what exactly did we release? What did we unleash with all of that? What did we unleash? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Get really clear. How? Yeah. H-E-L-L. Now, did we talk about the Dunamite drills? Are you saving that for your later commercials? We did not. Well, I kind of mentioned one, but not the whole well, thing. Well, I want to talk about these Dunamite Drills. Mm-hmm. And today, hey, call all your friends, the people you love, the people that love you, the loveless people, the lovable people. people. Yeah, we got some loveless yes. folks yes. that just, we want to give them less and less love every, every time.
2: We just want to lessen our love. Lessen our love.
0: <laughs> call them. If you are a teacher, if you are a counselor or coach, even if you're a psychologist, call them and tell them they want to listen in today because we're going to open the book on the soul.
2: Mm.
0: The soul is the maker made it. So don't expect it to be your, your you know, classic whatever, we, we, there may be overlap. We may ooze into that lane a little bit, weave over there. But for the most part, we're going to talk about the soul the way the maker made it. Why? Because we're in a, we're in a warfare, and we think the warfare is politics. We think the warfare is party. We actually think, uh, you know, political party, let me be specific. We even think that the warfare is about our uh, nation, but it is about our soul. Because before there's an outer person, There has to be a soul. And so I want to talk about it. So while I'm chatting, use your phone, push those buttons, and say you want to hear this today and you want to get it hot off the press. So, And we're going to find out why the soul is such a big deal to the Almighty. But we want to open up with my dunamite drills. The the dunamite drills have to do with the fact that every Sunday for the last several months I've been teaching – about the dunamite, which I have named dunamite, I use that word to identify the miracle workers in First Corinthians 12, 28 and 29, the miracle worker. Now, in 28, it's just saying, you know, uh, miracles, just one word. But when you go to verse 29, it says workers of miracles. So that tells me that there is such a thing as miraclers and believe me, that's a word, that's help us Lord. So much has gotten lost in this agenda to obliterate the church, its terminology, its language, its very uh, consciousness and experience. So, we've been teaching on the Dunamites, and in the Dunamites, we have, do we have this, Rachel? Okay, so I just want to, you know, you, I know you got some of them Don't you have some pictures or something? I know Rachel has something over there. <laughs> she has it. Uh, but, in it, And so every week, if you've been following us on Sunday mornings, we have Prophet Angela walking us to the um, Dunamite drills. I call her the drill prophet right now because she's drilling these drills in our brains. Who are we in Jesus Christ? Who are we to Jesus Christ? Who is Jesus Christ to us? So we have a drill a day. You have 31 of them. Then when you get to the back, we have this wonderful thing called the Warrior's Creed. And if you put your phone over it, then you get the verbal version of these dunamite drills. And there's a drill of day. So what is today's day? Today is the 16th. So let's see what drill 16 is telling us. and We should know because this is going to, hey, this is going to drive our day. I am what creation is waiting for, and it's based on Romans eight nineteen. 19. Creation is not waiting for devils. They're already under the grip of devils. Creations are not waiting for secularists. They are already under the grip of that. Creation is not waiting for religion. That is not what we're talking about. Creation is waiting for the redeemed, the redeemed of the Lord, the elect of God. That word that we have in Romans uh, 8, 19 that talks about the manifestation of the sons or children of God, that word manifestation is actually apocalypse. So creation is waiting for God's seed, the elect seed of Christ, to manifest or to apocalyp or apocalypse. I like that word better. I like apocalypse. We can make words, you know and don't tell me about what's not a word because before, before words became words, they weren't words. Okay? Let's get deep. Before it became a word, you know, I look on there and you look at our our, our philosophical, theological folk, and and you have, is so-and-so a word, so this is not a word. Well, before your answer was a word, it wasn't a word, word. okay? (laughs) So (laughs) that's the truth. (laughs) You know, sometimes you just have to pierce the antiquity of, of people's thoughts And pierce their old mind in order for them to think differently. Nobody makes up words that that that, that are not words, like the medical community and the scientific community. I have, I mean, they got words that are so long it takes three alphabets just to get it out. Just, just, just to get out. So don't, we don't want to hear that. Anyway, so apocalypse creation is waiting. Today is the day, creation is waiting for the apocalypse of God's children. We are the trigger. We are the gun. We are the bullet. We've allowed the enemy to spray these artificial things so that people think apocalypse is strictly a a doomsday event. The word apocalypse is not just about doomsday. It's about those who are the solutions to or managers of Doomsday mm. yeah. So that's us So creation is waiting It can't be waiting for devils Because devils are killing it mm. I mean I mean, if you look at it It's the apocalyptic offspring of the Godhead That wants to stop abortion
2: huh. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's the seed of Christ That wants to be kind to animals right. That didn't start with the people Who were using them for sacrifices
2: mm. Mm.
0: So when you think about this, you know, I'm, I'm going to walk all through this eventually as we get through. So today, Deuteronomy Drill 16, I am what creation is waiting for. Go and after the show, read 8 819, but also key in how many times that word is used in strong because it's also said that the glory to be revealed in us is actually the glory that uh, the glory to be apocalyptic in us so we are god's apocalypse and because we're in the planet we have one because if you notice it's it, it's uh, we are the regulators and when it's over hallelujah when it's over and we're raptured away which won't be the way most people think you know one day i'm gonna do the pre-trip post-trip Mid trip, no trip. All trips. The trip trips. I'm going to do the trip class. Because we need, to, we need to understand that. We're going to do the trip class, because Scripture clearly says it if we ever read the Bible. But see, we're going to have to stop reading books about the Bible before we read the Bible. You cannot be a critic, you cannot be an editor, you can't be a proofer, you can't be a verifier unless you read the authentic first then everything that comes from it gets to be measured by the baseline of the first, the authentic. So we, right now we got all of these movies, so I'm going to – I did a, a – Rachel, My, do you remember um, – what is it? The teaching I did on the sixth seal.
2: From the uh, apocalyptic series? Yes,
0: can you find that and put it on the screen and tell them to buy that? All right? So you can get a, a head start on it. You can. She's going to put it on the screen because you want to know whether or not we're in the apocalypse. And my teaching on the sixth seal tells you we are not in God's apocalypse. We're in Satan's apocalypse, and he's not an author of anything but doom and gloom and destruction. We are not in the Almighty's apocalypse because everything that we're measuring this by is man-made. Right. Man-made, handmade. It's human. It is not Nature, nature is not backing up this apocalypse. Man, that was good. I gotta hit some girl. What's wrong with you? Come on, let's hit something. boom. You're late. Okay. But I want you to hear me. the The global plague didn't come from nature. That I know. They want to tell you it did. It doesn't spread by nature. It spread, it spread by population, like the unleashing of a million immigrants, untested, uncared. That, that's the contagion. The contagion is maneuver. It, it's only deadly to a certain people group. When, God's, when nature kicks off a plague, trust me, it is not selective. Everybody, when we think about the plague of the dark ages, so the, the plague is artificial. The, the, um, the vaccines or whatever they're using, the antidotes, artificial. Everything is artificial, even transmitting it and, 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 and regulating it, all artificial. If God takes those satellites out the sky, plague done. Mandate useless. Enforcement gone. Did anybody understand what I'm saying? See, but it's my job as an apostle, and it is our job as apostles and prophets to let people know the difference between the authentic and the artificial.
2: Right.
0: And these are all artificial, which is why they're artificial, because at any given point in time, a human can stop it. When God has a plague, when God has an apocalypse, a human can't do anything with it but plead for his mercy. So this is not real. I said that because I wanted to inspire you to get my teaching on the sixth seal and why this is not God's apocalypse. This is not, we're not at the mark of the beast. We're at the mark of a human. They, they want to chip us. They've been chipping forever. They want to chip us. But the mark of the beast is a, is a, is a, a blended biological mark. It's important. For us to do this. So re- listen to that, and when I come back to it, because I'm coming back to it, and if you go to the um, Black Conservative Female broadcast with, um, uh, that comes on Tuesday night, it's on, is it YouTube or Facebook everybody? I don't
1: know
2: on
0: Facebook. Okay, well, okay, just key up Black Conservative Female for this past Tuesday. I talk about the sixth seal, because that is the trigger, trigger for the God's apocalypse. It is always cataclysmic. It is not inseminable. It's not seminal. It is not a disease. It is a global crisis. A natural disaster triggers it, and we haven't seen that. So I got that out. That was my, I did my own commercial this week. I'm really doing well. You know, boy, you do a lot to keep up with all these commercials. Bless your heart. <laughs> However, Today, we're going to handle something very different. I wrote, let me see how many years ago, long time ago. I wrote in 2014 a book called 3D, A Soul Restoration Plan to Take Your Life from Distress to Success, and it is called an Instrument of Divine Intervention. So why the soul? Now this book is—it's a hands-on, interactive tool. It's been used all over the place. We've had counselors, coaches, therapists use it, as well as pastors and leaders, and, and so it's a great tool. It's online. You can go to my web store and drpaulaprice.com and hit 3D and find out what the 3Ds are. Amen. Now that's enough, I have a lot of cliffhangers for you today Woo! Jesus is Lord, isn't he good? So I want to welcome you today Uh, When I woke up this morning, God started talking to me about the soul And about how the soul works And why we need to take care of it For example, many of us have heard all kinds of teachings about the soul from, mostly from the, the secular arena because the church doesn't really deal with the soul so much as it deals with the spirit because, see, with the spirit, we get the fun and games. We've got the fruit of the spirit. Mm-hmm. We've got the gifts of the spirit, which are not the gifts of the spirit. Read that passage and never call what we have popularized, the nine gifts of the spirit as uh, the gifts. They are called manifestations. There is no The gifts of the Spirit come under Romans and and Peter. They don't come under that. The nine gifts, what we all popularize as the nine gifts of the Spirit are not gifts. They are manifestations of the Holy Spirit. That is very different. That takes our independence, our individuality, and our arbitrariness out of their exercise or practice. Look it up. Now, why am I making a big deal about this? Because we have, so many people have snatched a piece of Scripture snatched their favorite text, wrapped it around their preference or their pet peeve, and voila, we got new doctrine or we got supposed revelation. That is not what I do. I just assume that if God used these people to write his word, then obviously he has tested them and they've been through and they've been vetted so we can trust his word because Peter says holy men of God wrote, as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So the unholy can't tell us about the holy. The untried can't tell us about the truth. See, so we have to get really clear on this because the days are, our days are coming down that we are as God's elect. Because remember, we talked about it. God never named us Christians. Write that in your notes. And, and, and really, let your hair go on edges and all that stuff people do when you shock that theology. Uh, God never called us Christians. Write it. God never called us Christians. Jesus never called us Christians. Holy Ghost didn't name us Christians. Christians came from humans. Now that's enough for you and once you get over the you know the, the gurgling and carrying on it comes when we mess with them. Where's Elsie? I don't miss Elsie. Who took Elsie? Here she go I got her. You know this girl is never off. We need Elsie. Here's, so I got a lot of cows that we just turned over. Yeah. Cow one. Yeah. Cow two.
2: Yeah.
0: Cow three. Three cows down. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. Because you wonder why the institution that has become the church has been largely defined by congregants and not penitence, that's how it happened. We are the elect of God. We are those, get your drills, get your drills. We are the elect of God. We were in Christ before, right before, in big bold letters, because this this is leading to your soul, before the foundation of the world, before the foundation of the world, before the foundation of the world. We're older than creation. We are as old as Jesus is because we were in him before he did anything. See, this is, this is apostle's doctrine, not the tribute tribute. Okay? This is the apostle's doctrine. This is us being in Christ before the foundation of the world. This is not about Jew or Gentile because neither existed. So God's choice is not based on Jew or Gentile. All you Christians chasing down Jews just for you to look, feel like you you making your points with God, that's useless. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All means all. God said, I should I all of y'all under sin. I wasn't going to try to waste my time to figure out who, who fell, who rose, who beat it, who defeated, who didn't. All, all of us are under the sin statement of God until Jesus Christ. What, what, what did not go under sin with those who were in Christ before the foundation of the world, our spirits stayed in Christ. I thought that was good. So we, are not, we were not named Christians by the Almighty. He doesn't call his sons and daughters that. He calls us sons and daughters. He calls us the elect. He calls us his saints. That's what God calls us. So, yeah, and, and, and trust me, this is what apostles and prophets do. We we go in and we turn the wheel and we adjust and realign what came from heaven. Humans named us Christians. Christ never did. I don't know who needs to hear that today, but God is really pressing this point for a reason. So we are the elect of God, and if you go in your strongs and if you have it on your uh device if you go into your strong and you just key in elect and then key in election and then key in chosen <laughs> and choose. You did not choose me. I chose you. So you key in those terms. You will not see Christian in them. Because when the Antiochans named us bad if they weren't complimenting us. It wasn't meant to be flattering. It was meant to be condemnatory. Anyone who behaved like Christ. Now, I just think that's amazing. So Paul and and company must have did a phenomenal job because it doesn't say Jesus actually made it to Antioch for them to even recognize the man or the progenitor of our redemption. See, Jesus is not the progenitor of our faith. He's the progenitor of our redemption. Mm. We are not a religion. He, we, you are born again to get out of religion. Religion downgraded us again. They woke up and said, hold on, wait a minute. These people got some power. These people are doing some things. They're making some things happen. Do you know how much I love doing this? I told Jesus every day. I said, Jesus, I just love it. You know why? Because the truth can't stand a lie. And the truth will discern deception. We are born of the truth. Sanctify them by thy truth, Father. Thy word is truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. When you are the elect, lies can't defeat you. They can only scarcely seduce you because that Holy Ghost on the inside. I'm ready to lay down. I'm overwhelmed myself. Help me, Lord. The Holy Ghost in you is the spirit of truth. Jesus said that, that he, when the spirit of truth has come and he tells you all of the things that the Holy Spirit will do to enlighten, to redeem, enlighten, guard, and rescue you. And what you don't hear them teaching is what the Holy Ghost does beyond the fruit of the spirit, the gifts of the spirit, and maybe a couple of miracles. Often the Holy Spirit is not even credited with our salvation. We don't even credit the Holy Ghost with how we get saved. And so as we go into today, we're going to talk about how we get saved and what salvation is and does. And you're going to talk about how salvation determines not just your spirit, but your entire afterlife. So the criteria that the Holy Spirit does when he's leading you and he's leading and guiding you into all truth, when he's telling you things to come, when he's convicting you of sin. When the Holy Ghost convicts you of sin, you need to rejoice. Because if you were a car or a plane and somebody said this flaw is here in this desert, that this could be a fatal flaw, you'd be like, woo, thank you. We dodged it. But we are comfortable with our fatal flaws. Oh, oh. wow. See, we love our souls. Sake. See, go ahead, girl. I understand. I got you, didn't yeah. Because that's what sin is. Sin, are, sin is fatal flaws. And the original design flaws manifest or show themselves in various ways. They show themselves in error. They show, show themselves in mishap. They show themselves in deficiencies and deformities. All of that laid against the citizens in God's realm that have already been approved means we have fatal flaws. We do lethal things because we have fatal flaws. Y'all still working with me? All right. Social media people, y'all hanging in there with me? Because we're getting ready to go there. So by now, I gave you enough time to call all your friends and enemies and everything in between. So this is a class that we just recently did. I don't know if it's up yet or not, but this is a class that we recently did. Every second Sunday here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I do a session called let's talk soul because when you if you read all of the Christian books about it's more about the spirit not the soul here and so I'm going to show you what the soul is why it's important to God what he wants to what us to do how he wants us to handle it because ah hallelujah because all your days almost every meal with someone Every book you read, every entertainment you have is working your soul. It's entering and adjusting or maladjusting your soul. So you, when you walk away, the reason God says evil company corrupts good habits is because evil people sow wicked things in your soul, and they give you an appetite for it. And that appetite, like, you know, some of you all, you have appetite for the things that wickedness wants to promote, sexuality, homosexuality, anger, wrath, maneuvering, manipulation, body piercing. All of those things are what the destroyer uses to mark his seed. You all argue you, you, I mean, you, you, uh, it, it amazes me how people are involved in a whole dating culture that has been destructive for everybody.
2: everybody.
0: But he's giving you an appetite for it. Satan gives you an appetite for him through the friends you keep and the conversations that you continue to to absorb and the televisions, movies, etc. You are not you. You're not. You are an original being. You're not an original thinker. Oh. There are copies of your thought lines, your beliefs, your appetites all over the world, different forms, different nations, different languages. But the enemy will tell you that you are an original, but you're not. You are not that. Okay? So eventually you begin to share what you see or hear from your new friends, And some of you all pick friends for very weird reasons. You pick friends for the appetite of the habit or the culture or the lifestyle that's been sown in you, that has been bred in you, that has been nurtured in you. So that is why you keep picking the same friends. There are people who are saying, why do I keep uh, keep picking the same woman? Because that appetite from the first woman has been needing your soul and breeding itself in you so that anything that reminds you of the first, you are already disarmed. First and second come, that's a reinforcement. Uh-huh. Now you're stripped. And by the time the third one comes, you're enslaved. And by the time the fourth one comes, you're destroyed. Dr. Price, I don't know if I agree with that, then read Proverbs four. Talks about the young man that got sucked up by a woman that whose house was over top of hell. He said he does the scripture said he doesn't even know the hell lives there. Is that in there or not? Prophet is that in there? See, a lot of you all think y'all thoughts are so original, but I'm not like that. I don't know why. God immortalized what you're like in print. He talks to you. He, he talks over and over again about how young men can be destroyed by women, over and over again. And he's but the, that one I think is the status one. We said all his friends said, man, don't go there. Okay, let me leave that alone. And yet. She's in the window, somebody. Come on, I got stuff you never had. Now, back then, it was a male, a patriarchal society, but trust me, sister girls. I'm just saying. So, after you've been with these people, table talk, plant soul thoughts. I think it's pretty good. Don't you think it's pretty good? Watch who you have dinner with. Watch who you go out to eat with, because meals, drinks, are also a part of lowering your guard, disarming you with sociability, with warm feelings, and all of that. So you need to be careful. That's why Satan needs a dating game. Mm -hmm. He needs needs us humans switching and swapping and all of that. He needs that because you don't sin the moment you fall in. You sin because you've been programmed to fall in, to fall in with someone else's thoughts, someone else's beliefs, I don't care if it's pity or what. So here you go. So what happens at the table? we got rehashing. we got concealed reactions. We've got emotional soothing. We've got consensus agreement. We've got unspoken opinions. We've got real doubts. We've got plots and schemes. We've got reactions and retaliations. And we've got secret heart vows. Mm. That's your table talk. Does that show up on the screen? Because you need to understand. I'm, not, I'm going to give you a chance to write this down, or you can snap it. But you need to understand that if you are fond of rehashing, you are a very vulnerable to someone else's thoughts, because your obsession with rehashing ends up being an instrument, a tool of arousing your emotional feelings or your emotionality. That is why God says forgetting those things that are behind and pressing forward to those things which are ahead. He tells you to forget because he knows that if you don't forget it, Satan's going to keep coming to get it or send someone else to get it to weaponize it against your soul, health, and well-being, your mental clarity. Concealed reaction. You know, there's a scripture that says that, 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 that a person will invite you to dinner smile in your face, and their heart is not with you. They are actually plotting against you. You could say something, and people will, if you're, if you're one of those who are inclined to body language or facial reading, they'll blink for a hot, hot, hot second, and you'll realize you hit them. And from that moment on, they have to do something with that sentiment that you seeded in their folks. And then we have at the table emotional soothing. Can or cannot go with rehashing. So what is that? That is when you are constantly needing someone to pet your trauma pain, your soul pain. I need it. I need compliments. I need food. I, I, I need more to drink. I, I need to be encouraged. I need somebody to forgive me. I need somebody to, to, to be me. It wasn't your fault. That's the newest thing in the movies now. It wasn't your fault. You, you bought the car. And didn't insure it, didn't get the license, took the car out for a ride, hit a family, family die, you are arrested, and all of your table talkers come and say, but it's not your fault. What part wasn't your fault? Because today, as long as you don't admit your fault in anything, the divine judicial agents of the Godhead it's going to hold you in court. And if you don't admit, not, failure to admit in God's realm is contempt of court. Mm-hmm. So he holds you into, in contempt because you are choosing to lie your way out of his justice, to dodge his justice with your excuses and all your soothers, your booze, your drugs, your sex, your arguments, your yelling, your temper, and your rage. Those are soothers. Those are soul soothers. And so then we have consensus agreement. This is where inferiority and insecurity kick in. So that means that you, 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 you fall in with everyone else. You agree with everyone else because you don't want to be different. You don't want to face the argument of your stance. You don't want anyone to push back on you. You don't want them to stop inviting you to lunch, inviting you out, whatever that is. So you pretend to agree. And you fall in with – so in your, you are a majority rule – In your psyche, your consciousness is about whatever the majority is in the moment, I'm part of the majority because I don't want to stand out. So I choose to forego outstanding because I don't want to stand out. I don't want people to know that I'm the one that didn't agree and I'm the one that dissented because then they'll get angry with me and then I won't have friends and then and then and then. One of the things that I tell my team all the time and I tell my leaders if you need a lot of friends and you need friends to like you and you need to befriend everything, you will never be a good leader. Mm-hmm. We don't have good leaders today because we swap quality for quantity. Mm-hmm. All right? And then we have um, this one here I said real, but it fears and doubts. Everyone's born with fear. Every step of the way, every day of your life you have to deal with your fears. It doesn't matter how big you are, it doesn't matter how global you are. The only person that does not have to deal with fears is God the Father. Even God the Son had to know what fear felt like. Yeah. Please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Yeah. So fear is a normal thing, but it's a fear is meant It's not meant to just protect you. When there is such a thing as protective fear which we have kind of peeled out and called it caution. So there are things that are cautionary, precautionary, but then there are the fears that debilitate you, that keep you from trying, that keep you from believing in yourself, that turn you away from opportunities and turn you away from possibilities because you fear failure, you fear not fitting in, you fear the consequences, you fear alienation, because success will pare down your friends.
2: Mm.
0: Victory will slim your party list. Remember, consensus. Most people fall right in the middle of that. And then we have plots and schemes, all of the things that people have done and have inseminated and and, and instrumented over the life of their existence to protect them, to uh, avenge them, to build them up, to give them an edge, to give them an advantage. Those are the plots and schemes. These are all at the table, but they're at the table in everyone's soul that's sitting there. And then we have reactions and retaliations, you know, like Tuesday night. <laughs> you know, like, mm. So yeah. your, people, are, people bring their stuff to the table. They bring their stuff. They bring all of these things that I've covered so far. They bring them to the meal. And sometimes they show them then if they're hot-tempered, short-patient, ill-tempered. Sometimes they show them then or either they go there to scoop up new things to retaliate in life because no word of, is of insignificance according to God. So, you, I mean, these are things we have, to, we have to work through in our lives, and I'm laying them out because at the, at the table they're just simply talk stuff, but words are seeds. So they're simply seeds to inseminate or to regenerate something in you that either wasn't there, reduced or diminished, and now needs to be revved up, needs to be revived. And then secret heart vows. These are the most difficult ones because heart vows are tied to desire and survival and thrival. So heart vows are really difficult to let go. You have to be very careful about what you vow in your heart because they have a whole different pool of strength, source of strength that they pull for, and they use everything that I discussed so far to fulfill themselves. Mm-hmm. Oh. We can almost stop there, huh? Opening the book on the soul. The Old Testament covers soul 459 times, almost 460 times at least. Soul, soul to go, all of that. And it defines soul. As a, largely, it's got other words, but the largest uh, definition is nephesh, which unenlightened theologians treat as a synonym for spirit. So they treat soul and spirit as if they're two sides of the same coin. Meanwhile, the body is mentioned 39 times in the Old Testament. Jesus took 39 and to break his soul and to pour his soul out for sin. The Bible overall mentions mind 95 times. And um, the New Testament mentions body, would you believe, 175 times. Why? Because a new body has been born into the creation species, and that is the body of Christ. And we talked about that, the New Testament Handles body handles the, uh, let me get it right, the, the soul 136 times. I think that's correct. I forgot my notes, but I'll correct it when we come back. But as you can see, the most important thing in the Old Testament was the soul. And in many cases, the soul and the body are presented as a single unit fused together. Because when God breathed into Adam The breath of life The soul came with him With that breath in his body Now spirit is something else We have that in, in the full class of this I'm just giving you some of our excerpts So When we think about souls Clearly we think about The body, mind, heart, and spirit So the 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 soul and the body are a unit. The mind bridges the two. The mind actually sends from the heart what its information is, like dislike, whatever, sends it to the brain for the brain to execute through the body. That's why your body's a slave. Let's go back, sorry. So your body's a slave, and and you have to understand why that's the case, because your body goes back to the dust. Listen, the way God writes Genesis, he says, in the day that you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. And then he says, and your body. So that's not the same thing. Those are not the same two things. He presents them as one is the cause of another. We often, because if you constantly take courses about the Bible instead of taking Bible courses, you will always have issues where you discover you misunderstood or misapplied something. And if you went to a school where they teach it, the last thing you want to do is to be the one who breaks away again. Being a leader means being bold enough to go against the grain and go against the whole. You know, regardless of what we feel or don't feel about Donald Trump, he was bold enough to show the leadership that I can go against the grain. That, And I use him because he's our most popular model today, our most disliked model. So then we, we put somebody in who went with the grain. So if you want a leadership lesson, just look at the two men. Because he, Trump didn't have a problem saying, that no, we're not doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this Biden belongs to the grain. Yeah. He belongs to the consensus. And he, the will of the consensus is what he'll do. So when we go down to Genesis 2, and it says, and 19, And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature that was his name, imagine the intelligence because we keep trying to think Adam was born as dumb as we were,, but he was not first of
2: all <laughs> dumb
0: Adam bought dumb he was not, he was not born dumb, he bought dumb, and we have to get the language right because he was not born he named now it said every living creature that's the gnat, the bugs, the bacteria things that you, that you can't we don't even know but. Think about how long that took because that's how long Adam was single. I know we like to think that, right, we like to think that, you know, when he said in verse 18, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone, I will make him and help me for him. We like to think that was immediate. No, 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 that was not immediate. Adam had to earn his bride. And he had to become fully familiar, assimilated with the Almighty, with his maker before he could have his bride so that God could make sure that when Adam turned on him, he did so knowing full well he was turning on his maker. But when you go up to 15, um, uh, excuse me, yeah, I want to get it right. I don't want to get it wrong. So we're there, and he goes on, and he made man. He said he made man from all of that that he did. Blessed the seventh day, and started running down the generations. And so he said he made him in his image and according to his likeness, and made him male and female. So I want you to understand, because you know, when you get older in God, God will. The longer you stay with God, the more He obliterates the lies in your soul. My God, His Word is an eraser. It's an eradicator. It's a purger. It's a purifier. And so, all of this here, male language in this scripture, this has to do with King James having problems with his mama. So, you don't have a male spirit, females. Okay? Let's all get clear. We don't have... I want to tell all my beloved theologians, God had no problem with women. Men had problems with men, women when he created them. Now, God had as much a problem with Adam as he had with Eve. But male and female created he them, and he made them both in his image. So you can talk all of our LGBTQ folk, I want you to understand, your flesh may be gay. But that is the only thing gay about you. Your soul and your spirit are gender Defined and confined, which is why if, we, if you get off your hormone stuff, your gender comes back to what God made. Well, he said it, male and female created he them, and God blessed them, 128, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the, over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And then he, and here's what he made, and he said, Behold, I've given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in which is the fruit of a tree-yielding seed. To you it is for me, and to every beast of the earth, every fowl, of the air and to everything that creeps upon the earth, wherein there is light. Mm. I have given every green earth. So the earth was vegetarian until after the flood. Right. Mm-hmm. So you all just write that down. Yes. Brothers, y'all can be comfortable with your need for a state. See, me. Okay, sisters too. <laughs> okay, because it was the flood, after the flood, Whatever the biological mutation of the human, of, of all creation was, every species on the planet, it required meat for the blood to keep it alive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you hear the preachers tell you that we're going back to the beginning, if that's the case, we've got to go back to before the, the sons of God married the daughters of men, we've got to go back to a whole lot of stuff. Before Eve ate the fruit. Adam ate it because she fed it to him. All of that, we have to go back in order for us to justify the idea that meat is wrong. Mm. I'm just saying. But it says that what I like about this is that God is very clear in who he is. And he saw everything that he did, and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Seventh day, they rest because he made everything, and then we go down to the generations, and then we go to verse 8 of chapter 2, and the Lord God formed man. Now, he created him day six, but he formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So when Adam hit earth, when God breathed Adam's life, the spirit, of Adam and his wife, the spirit of the male and female, because at that point they're not married, the spirit of the male and female, out of his being, God registered the soul. And it's the soul that has been the dominant factor in everything we do, don't do, like, don't like, etc. everything. The soul has been there. So man became a living soul. So you would ask, well, where is the spirit? The spirit is still with God. Even when Jesus died, he said, Father, into my, my hands I commit my spirit. He sent his spirit back home. Right. Yeah. Are they all right?
2: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Y'all all right out there? Because yeah. you know I'm getting to, I'm, I'm ready to go deep. Put your boots on, huh? Wow. We're, we're okay. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay. Put, put your storm clothes on. Come on we get a storm in the gates of God's mysterious knowledge. So, so you understand, going back to Genesis tells you how important the soul is. The soul hit the hit the world after the body was formed. Until then, the soul was not on earth. It was not an earthly thing. Is that are you on catching the picture? So the soul Earth existed, humanity existed, but humanity was not on earth. Humanity was in its maker. God breathed into Adam, and that was Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus had to get on a cross, because it's his breath that brought humanity to earth. So when he breathed into Adam the breath of life, Adam became a living soul. He didn't make him a living body. He made him a living soul. Because the body was dead without the soul. See, see at this. And I've taught this before, but you know, it bears repeating. (laughs) Really? You think it should be? Does it bear repeating? Yeah. Okay. I love my audience today. Y'all are really in rare form, okay?
2: <laughs>
0: so, because understand, the body existed in the planet. It was neither corruptible or incorruptible because there was nothing to add to it or to deteriorate it. It had no life. When you when we we teach this, we man, I tell you, I keep thinking, man, I wish I could show this, uh, you know, like illustrate this. So here we have this gorgeous body in this. If wherever God made him, because he wasn't even in the garden. Mm. Wherever the, God had the secret lab somewhere. We don't know where his earth lab. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like his own Area 51 or something. I don't know. <laughs>
2: I don't know.
0: He is it, right. And so God goes, and can you imagine, wherever he is, he takes, he said he formed him of the dust of the ground. So he takes the ground that is still pure, that has no death in it, has no sin in it, has no disease, has nothing in it but purity and he goes and he makes this man. He makes a body. I, 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 you know, I can understand why unbelievers can't get it because you got to get this here by faith because God must be bigger than we imagine, Obviously wiser. So he, wherever he is, He goes off to his lab, and he makes this body, okay? And he makes everything, the things that science is still in 2021 after he wiped everything out by the end of 5,000 or whatever he did, however many years it was because I don't agree if it was fine. But, But he makes this body, and he designs it, heart, organs, lungs, Kidneys, liver, everything, skeleton, marrow in skeleton, all of that, and it's dead. It's pretty, it's compelling, and it's dead. And then God goes, and He doesn't breathe into His mouth. We would think, you know, when people are drowning, we give them mouth to mouth. Why would how come? God didn't do mouth to mouth. He did mouth to nose, Mm -hmm. and he breathed into his nostrils, and all, you know, the Bible is known for understatement, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the master of understatement, and the breath of life, he breathed, now God, God is like scary, okay, so God, how do you separate your breaths? Mm -hmm. You know, we got one breath, that's it, everything's in it, that's all I got, He, he breathes into Adam's nostrils, the breath of life, which means immediately he goes to that lung, to the lungs for it to start respirating. But here's the powerful part. If it's dead and it has no life, then when God breathed, the blood came. He breathed in all of the blood. That was needed was released in this body. The heart starts pumping. The lungs start breathing. The liver starts producing what it does. The kidneys are coming online. All of this is happening. The marrow is generating blood. Come on, somebody, you you can't mess me. They it took y'all. They walk around like they got it going on. Took you all all this year, and how many millions of you to get here? It does not take God and company. Okay, it doesn't say that. It says, and God, and the Lord God, But you know, he's the Lord God now, I'm just stepped up. He was, you know, in the beginning, he was God. Now I got me a person. I'm the Lord God.
2: <laughs>
0: I got me a person, and I am now the Lord God. Because Lord means Lord is over the land, the realm, and the territory. I got a person made of my dirt. I I own everything because y'all come from my dirt. Wow. Because, see, I had dirt before I had you.
2: Oh. Yeah.
0: Oh. Isn't that wonderful? So I need you to hear this. If This is really amazing. See, you can camp on this. So he breathes into his nostrils the breath of life, and man becomes. Because he was a corpse. He comes into being. A living soul. From now on, the soul is the definer until we get to the New Testament. That is why the soul is mentioned 459 times because it's important. Not only that, I learned from this that the the one of the major distinctions between the apostle and the prophet is the prophet has that innate, instinctual comprehension of the soul the law was about the soul god's judgments were about the soul and in that way the soul and the body are primarily treated as one in scripture the apostles about the spirit because we are bringing the spirit of the life of Christ Jesus into human form I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm, my, I'm blowing my own mind right now. I mean, Jesus, I'm up there in heaven with the Lord. It's really nice up there. I love sitting in this class. Hey, Jesus, appreciate it. It is the Jesus and Paula show. We God. said we were going to give him top billing, and he is working with his own top billing. You have to understand what makes the soul so important and why it is so perverted and so manipulated and massacred. Because, see, when Adam ate from that tree, Satan massacred the, the human soul. It, was, it died, and it could never come alive again until the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now, the reason you know that God left him room for redemption is because he said man became a living soul and not a quickening spirit.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: See, the quickening spirit comes in Jesus Christ. The last Adam is the quickening spirit. Quickening meaning what? Life-giving spirit. So God wanted Adam to know that it's the spirit that gives life, the flesh profits nothing. When he ate, God took his spirit and his own spirit, which was still fused, and they God left and let Satan become the spirit of life in humanity's soul. Mm-hmm. So that's, why, that's, that's the only way to pass on immortality. How do you pass on mortality? How do you assure death? And in doing so, the spirit that would have given Adam perpetual generation and regeneration he still kept generations but didn't keep regenerations now as as what happened to the serpent and the dragon so it happened to Adam where their power pack is no longer replenishing it doesn't replenish so that is why when we die our cells will renew don't they? our cells renew our you know whatever part of our body but guess what doesn't renew our life Time yeah. our lifetime doesn't renew we don't we, we, we even if we cut our bruise ourselves, that skin will come back, it will not come back as baby skin that's why Naaman's miracle was so great yeah. because the prophet brought baby skin back at his word, so when you think I know see i'm not, I'm gonna have a round table with y'all so y'all could just talk all over me the way you do so well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, in case you want, I'm talking to a prophets. <laughs> because you know, you don't get in the round table with prophets unless you want to go ahead and have lunch, dinner, and
2: <laughs> sunrise. <laughs> sunrise
0: breakfast. And so, um, but but our body, but our life, that life force does not increase. Uh, you, um, you look at people, and I, I, I'm so. Uh, Thankful that I have the mind of Christ. Because, you know, you look at the, these people. She's been swimming since she was 10. She's now 86. She's strong. She's that, not a piece of muscle. Right. Skin and bones. Strong bones. Yeah. Sturdy skin. Muscle gone. All the muscles are gone. It's skin and bo- Am I right? He's still running and whatnot. You're not running as a 26-year-old. Stuffed and dropped and flopped and popped. Now it may be strong in its gravitate
2: state. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah! And you can, and you love it because you say, "Man, I really look great until somebody pulls out your album." Yeah. Your school and you're like, you know, that thing was perceptible, but that life force is <laughs> eking out because the soul was killed in that transaction. Death. Bought the soul Doom Bought the soul Y'all ready? Y'all ready to start? So let's look at So let's look at it I laid it out But if you read um, Let's start with Psalm 1610 It's a prophecy And it's a prophecy about Jesus Christ As David In his Davidic self because the human side of Jesus Christ is David. And so it says, for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. So everybody, that, that buyout plan, meant everybody goes to hell. Every human goes to hell. Animals go to the dust. Humans go to hell. Why? Because there is no death in God's world. And God's world is so pure and so powerful, it annihilates anything death-like or deathly that tries to enter it. That was the whole thing about the war in heaven in Revelation 12. So it says, but thou will not leave my soul in hell." I know that when when uh, Satan took over the planet, they start trying to make you think that you're going to heaven no matter what. He couldn't. He, he doesn't even know what heaven is doing. He's been gone so long, he probably wouldn't even recognize the place. Yeah. <laughs> He'd be, he'd be up there, oohing and then what and, ah and <laughs> <out. out>. Wow, Because, <laughs> you know, God moves on. Yeah. He, he keeps moving on. And so that's what he said. Well, we see that, again, Acts 2.27, which is very important for the preacher who keeps telling you you're not going to hell. Well. You know, because, see, we got those preachers who say that because they are working for devils who are trying to – to populate their planet, uh, their, their realm, hell, because it says that in Ezekiel. But so they keep telling you that you can't, God won't send you to hell. He won't. He doesn't have to. You already, all, the only thing that's not in hell is your presence. Because your name, your birth certificate, your death certificate, all of those are the property of hell. You are hell's property if you are not born again. You are hell's property. So we've got to get it right. If we don't get it right, I appreciate God for giving me the language because in the articulation. I pray for it because I have to make you have an articulation that is distinctive and distinguishing. So you understand, every piece of clay is hell's property after death. Every piece. And God gave it to him. He said, here, you have it. I don't want that. That's flawed. I don't want flaws. I don't want you know, death. I don't want disease. I don't want lying. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want what you did to come back in my world. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I had to say it in a very, very succinct way, God's saying to Satan, I don't want what you did and what you bred back in my world. That's why you're out. That's why you don't know how to get here. You're gone. He went from being in Eden with God covering God, and not just an awning, the way we teach it. He just hung out over the Lord. Awning, give me a break already, all that brilliance, excellence, and whatnot, and all you are is a piece of cloth over a place that has no sun. Amen. Amen. See, we've got to think like Jesus. So he's covered, he's been eaten. God finds him destructive, finds him a criminal. He comes, he, he banishes him to earth first. He was in heaven, rather. Well, he was first in heaven in Eden. He said, Thou was in Eden in the Garden of God," because Eden is up there. This here was just a shadow, a replicant, so that he could really wrap Satan up again. So he he had a chance of two Edens, couldn't get him right. Okay, two Eden, he Gabriel, Gabriel, two Eden residents, and you still can't get it right. So he so he's he's on Earth, but once. He, he's on earth as death. He's on earth as doom. All right? And uh, Norma and I were talking yesterday. She was talking about how when it says then darkness was on the face of the deep, and I said, look it up, because they have the word to define darkness as chaos mm-hmm. and fear. and you, you have it as well. Mm-hmm. So I love my prophets. I, I, I told you I'm not going to have a dumb church, and you know I won't have stupid prophets. That's, right. that's never going to happen, not in my lifetime. So if, you, if they ever go dumb, you better know I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> and
2: don't ask <laughs> ask him.
0: I was like, what?
2: Uh uh-uh. uh
0: Let me tell you, you, but that's the truth. That is real. But if you go to Acts 22:7 for all of you all who have listened to your pastors who say God is just going to say, "Oh, forget it. We we'll let everybody come in." I just gave you very biological, technological, anatomical, neurological reasons why you cannot go to hell, or go to heaven if you're not born again. You are automatically the property of hell. Mm-hmm. We come into this world property of hell. Right. So here we go. If you look at 222, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved unto God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Now, this is a very important statement. And it's saying that Jesus died in pain, and death keeps you, keeps your soul in agony. Wow. But because Jesus was innocent, because he was not found personally, personally guilty of the crimes for which he was crucified, his righteousness overwrote death. Because <laughs> death cannot hold on to God's righteousness. It ha- can't keep a grip on it because righteousness is God and it's mighty. So then he goes on and says, for David's concerning him, I foresaw the Lord, always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. Jesus' flesh stayed in that tomb. It did not go to earth to become part of Satan's ecology. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption, meaning his body was not going to decay. It was not going to go into the rigor that would lead to his decomposition. Now here's something very powerful. What I'm teaching you today fits this if you open your ears to hear me. He says, Thou hast made known to me The ways of life Thou shalt make me full of joy With thy uh, countenance I'm giving you the way of life These are the ways of life So clearly there is the path of death And throughout the Bible Particularly in the Psalms and the Proverbs We are told what the paths of death are Mm -hmm. But if you are not Born again, you cannot understand this. The Bible says that the veil is taken away in Christ, and until Christ takes that veil away, first, uh, uh, it first Corinthians, second Corinthians four, second Corinthians four, then He said, as long as you stay in the Old Testament, the veil lies on your heart And your mind. You God makes no sense to you. God is irritant You, He gets on people. Start Jesus. You love God all day long. I'll, you're God, 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 Elohim, almighty, most high. You're going to pull all of his epithets. but I'm going to tell you, it's Jesus that gets on your nerves. Mm. Because Jesus is where God put everything life. Remember, he put everything in Jesus Christ. He gave Jesus everything because God is spirit, and he's, he's everywhere. He can't, God can't move from the north to the south. How's he going to move when he fills all in all? So how does, he, how does he maneuver? How does he move throughout creation? Through Jesus Christ. And so whatever God needs to do in a particular place, He stopped Jesus with it so Jesus can do it in that location. But now listen to this. Now, uh, men and brethren, let me freely speak to you of the patriarch, David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulchre is with us, Unto this day Therefore being a prophet And knowing that God had sworn with an oath To him You see prophet, Old Testament, David's prophet mm-hmm. Jesus came to the planet As a prophet Not just as a savior Do your homework, read your Bible Because you're fighting prophets When in fact one saved your soul yeah. You're fighting prophets When in fact you had to get born again By the word of prophets That is why God is harsh, and he's coming down very cruelly on these false prophets and on these lying prophets and on these immature children pretending to be prophets. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that uh, the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. So earth was another throne for Jesus Christ. He seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ. This is what I want you to get, that his soul was not left in hell. So if Jesus' soul had to go to hell, and only because God put your sin on him, how much more will your soul go to hell for your own sin, that you didn't take time to get expunged by his blood? This Jesus God has raised up whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has sent forth this which ye now see. For David is not ascended unto the heavens, but he saith himself, the Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy fold thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made that same Jesus, whom he have crucified, both Lord and Christ. I want you to think this thing through. Don't let your brain, don't let the the devil implantations in your brain tell you this is too deep. Command your mind to open up. Command. Shut down the darkness that wants to do this Because many of you, your brain is programmed To want the easy things and the light things of God It's programmed to renounce the deep And we define deep subjectively as whatever overwhelms us We are in a planet where people are dying by the droves And they're dying without a true knowledge of the gospel And a lot of Christians who were not the elect Are going to we are giving this word so that you understand that your soul is going to hell. Because if God Almighty sent his only begotten son to hell. Only. And he did nothing wrong. He sent him to hell for your sins. He took all of your sins and he put it in his blood put it in Jesus' bloodline. Because the blood comes from the Father. He put it how do I know that? He's in Gethsemane. Gethsemane and he is crying. And the scripture just nonchalantly says, oh, and he was dropping great drops of sweat that was blood. What is that? God broke the seal on his God blood and made it mortal. Mm -hmm. Jesus had probably never seen his blood in his whole life. But he's letting him know mortality. i have taking the steel off of him. Hell can can beat him. They can cut him. They can whip him because if he had, if God had not broken the God steel on Jesus' physiological body, they could have whipped him until next year. <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> he just said, "I am He." Gone. Everybody now. See, so. God, Gethsemane. That little statement tells you when God broke the the divine seal of Jesus and made him mortal enough to be killed. You almost want to go to sleep on that, don't you? Want to go to sleep? Oh, I'm stable. So, the next thing you should know is that First 1 Peter one nineteen tells us. We have to make our salvation sure. We have to make our election sure. It's not just your salvation. He said, make your election sure. Prove that you are the elect that was in Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world by receiving the end of your faith, which is the salvation of your soul, because your soul has to be saved. Your spirit's job is to redeem, revamp, your soul so that it is qualified to be redeemed by God to live in God's world. We keep telling you it doesn't matter. That's why y'all all tatted up, raggedy clothes and all of that. And you know what you will say? I just don't believe, Dr. Price. You don't have to, but I'll tell you what, I got more to back my words than you got to back your tats. <laughs> I've got more to back, back this word than you got for your raggedy jeans. Walking around with your butt hanging out, all up in the, the presence of God, with your behind hanging out, thighs showing out, talking about, well, skin is in. Skin is in hell. Ah! Righteousness is in heaven. Come on. Righteousness. All the, everything that we, the church, Christianity, has told you is okay, that is Satan's church. That's not God's church. God's church is about modesty mm. God's church is there because you entertain Angels unaware mm. And not just the good ones
2: mm. Oh, mm-hmm. the
0: sons of God and, Oh, Dr. Christ mm-hmm. prophets oh. mm-hmm. I love this here corner back there That back corner tickles me <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: But because you act as if when you get saved, you are, you're exclusively in God's precinct. No, you have to stay like God to have God's protection. Okay. So, But God is still using you. What, is he, what else is he going to use? Devil? He's already using them. He's got to use flesh for flesh's issues. So the fact, That's why Jesus said, now listen, I'm going to use whatever I get. Matthew 7. He said, but there are going to be those that say to me, Lord, then I cast out devils in your name. Then I work wonders. Then I do all of these stuff in your name. And Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. And when he said, I never knew you, that doesn't mean he wasn't aware of you. (laughs) 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 It doesn't mean he wasn't aware of you. He's very aware of your existence. He's aware of every part of his creation. But he said, I never entered you. Oh, wow. That is the, the same term as, as, as uh, intimacy, sexual intimacy. I never entered you, except Jesus enters you and doesn't leave. So when he says, I never knew you, he said, I never entered you, mm. and you never entered me. Mm.
2: Huh. So I will
0: use you as a utility, I will use you as an instrument. But is that not what he said in Matthew seven? I mean I'm not when I get out of the Bible and I and people who know me, they mad with me today, it doesn't matter. I'm a big girl by now and I really don't care. You know when you get senior citizen, you're like, Oh, please come new. I'm senior citizen now, baby. I'm like whatever. And he says here in Matthew 721, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. It's really interesting how he says that. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied? Come on, prophets of the day. Y'all wrapping up those January New Year prophe- prophecies down there, down there in the toy box and the debris pile of old prophecies trying to string together something that's going to be, be the future.
2: <laughs>
0: I absolutely, let me tell you, if you delivered a prophecy last year, this year you better tell me how it happened. How it turned out. And then they set me up for how it's going to continue all the way down. God is not dealing with us I'm dealing with prophecy like grains of rice in a bag. It's a fabric. He's pulling from a continuum. I need you to pull that continuum forward. I need you to say that. Not sit there and say, well, such, such and such is going to happen. Any diviner can do that. That's divination anyway. If that's all you could do is make a statement. That's divination I'm on. But I'm going to go on Because you know <laughs> Lord have we not prophesied In thy name And in thy name Have cast out devils And in thy name done many wonderful works See you are Your criteria is wrong Your measurements are wrong Your baseline is wrong Because you are assuming That all of those things Make people real uh.
2: mm-hmm.
0: And, Jesus, then I will profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Hold on. but Wait a minute, Jesus. Wait, Hold on. Hold on. Wait, wait a minute. I just told you I did this in your name. What is wrong with you, Jesus? Lord, did I not tell you when I prophesied, I prophesied in your name. It doesn't matter how perverse it was, disgusting it was, errant it was, it was still in your name. I mean, Jesus, we use your name. (laughs) And in thy name have cast out devils. I mean, after all God, they did get cast out. They did leave. And Jesus is like, y'all just play musical demons. (laughs) That's why people don't say deliverance okay because you couldn't you couldn't shut the- because you have to shut the place where they were, so devils are really smart, really okay, so okay, so now listen you prince i'm I'm going to cast you out today when I get to that big meeting and so and so, so I want you to go now when I go back home, you're welcome to return and to resume your dominion over this person now, interestingly enough, God uses everything, so if it's a devil that he wants out of a person. He doesn't care that you're not coming to heaven. God doesn't. So you think that God cares about your afterlife based on your performance of these antics. Mm-hmm. The afterlife is not about antics. Mama. And he says, I will profess. Now, some of them change it to confess. I believe that um, my personal opinion is that Jesus said profess because all of the things that he just mentioned were professional works. Right. They were acts and functions of a profession, not a confession. Mm-hmm. So he said, I'm the professional standard. I'm the one that's going to say whether or not it is of our kingdom profession. So he said, verse 24, Therefore, whoever hears these things of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man, wise man that built his house on a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was on the rock. And we know the rest of Many of us have never heard all of that above that because, you know, it passes a lot of these churches, especially these secularist churches. Well you, well, you got, you know, you got Satanist, secularist, and saved. And then you got sanctified. Strings to this church. We have to figure out which one you win. And lastly, in this passage, Hebrews ten thirty nine. but we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. So twice, at least twice, we're told that the sinner's prayer does not get you to heaven. So I don't know how many sinner's prayers you all got out there, and you all getting, getting saved on somebody's testimony. You need to question that. If it's not the testimony of Jesus Christ, you're not saved. You may be set apart. You may be settled in your own spirit, but you're not saved. Because salvation means you must die. Jesus, enter my heart is not a salvation prayer. Jesus, replace my heart. Now, that's something different. Because, see, you have a heart that was in Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world. You have a a soul that was in Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world. You have a brain, a mind that was in Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world. Paul talked about being renewed in the spirit of your mind. That, so when you, talk, when you say you're saved, you better go to God and say, now, Jesus, this woman is talking crazy. I don't know, Jesus. I don't know. Hold on. I've got to get my thing back. I'm getting there. Hang in there with me. So you, uh, you have get to a point where you actually understand that salvation begins with its equipment, with eternity's equipment, eternity's substance, eternity's fluid, which is the blood of the Lamb, the bread of life. That's the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. You think you're saved because you said a prayer. That is why you said that prayer went back home to your shack and relationship. That's why you said a prayer and still kept, kept your drug line. That's why you said a prayer and still handled your, your prostitute cattle uh, over there. You did all of that because you did not receive the heart of the Almighty. You asked Jesus to come into your heart and a false one did.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Because Jesus is not going to come into a heart that's dead and doomed and full of sin. He has got to replace your heart. And your new spirit heart renovates, scrubs your soul's heart. That's the old man or the old woman. But you have got to start with Ezekiel 36, which is where John 3, chapter 3 comes from. You've got to start with the equipment. That's kind of like I'm, go- I'm going to teach you a whole course about some-, some sort of technology and I've got no equipment for you to learn from. Or I put you in a class where you don't have any of the pre-courses and the pre studies, And you're like, well, I you. I don't, mm-mm, but this is how I think. You will stay on your own opinions until you get the new creature, new heart, new mind, new spirit of Jesus Christ. Then – you can talk about the mind of Christ. You had to say a sinner's prayer. You got the mind of Christ, and you didn't even have the mind to get born again. Even Jesus did that. Jesus took time to be born again. In the heart of the earth, he's the firstborn, firstborn of the dead. How is it that you don't have to be born again? So if Jesus is the firstborn of the, de- of the dead, that means he got a new spirit. He got a new heart. He got the Holy Spirit, and that qualified him to get the new body or the resurrected body. Because if you are still doing the exact same things you did five years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you need to check the heart that you're listening to because clearly you are not moving by the heart of eternity, the heart of Almighty God. That's the whole thing. The heart that you receive, that's the heart of the Father, heart of the Son, heart of the Holy Spirit. So when you look at this and you take a picture, this is what this is what soul is. It's telling you all of the things that the soul is, everything that's affected by your soul, everything that you have to address and God has to work through to qualify you for eternal life. Some of you all, you still walking around cussing, talking about excuse me, and then you got those who put their salvation down. You ain't putting down nothing but what you've always been because if you had a real salvation, you wouldn't want to be putting it down. You'd be wanting to build it
2: up.
0: When it works. Now, granted, hear me. Granted, this starts out as a seed. You start out with the seed of Christ. Jesus started as a baby. Actually, he started as a sperm. He then joined an egg. So God has time for you to grow. But he does expect... Sorry guys, I'm going to finish these two because I really want to. I'll pick this up the next time. But in Thessalonians, um, 2 Thessalonians 2:2, bottom left, do not, not to be easily upset in mind or troubled either by spirit or by a message or by a letter as if from of us alleging that the day of the Lord has come. That goes back to us. All of these prophecies are saying that we're in the apocalypse right now. Jesus came and you didn't make it. Let me tell you something. I think I will change the cosmos. I will be fussing for days and days every time I turn around. You know, I'll be like that woman going to the unjust judge. I will aggravate you. You're going to come back and get me. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. I'm going to nag him. Like, I nag him now. Nag him. Uh Uh-uh. No, you're going to come back and get me. No, 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 no. No. I don't know how I missed the bus. I don't know what you did. Maybe I went on your clipboard. But you're going to come back and get me. Yeah, I I will not stay here like I didn't know. But see, that's an attitude of hope. See, these people here have been told that it's automatic, so why hope? It's natural. Why hope? So they don't even act as if they want to be bothered with the living hope. I don't know about you, but I had a really good time. That you also. These are the words that I want you to remember: from co or solical, psychological, mental, and emotional. If you look over there, intellectual and cognitive. To your right, rational, cerebral. All of these, subconscious. These are all that stuff in your soul. All of the grains, all of the cells, all of the chemistry. chemistry all of the fluids. this is all in your soul. This is what has to be qualified for eternal life. This is what, no matter what your skin looks like, you, could be, you can be paraplegic, you can be sick, you can be dying of disease. God is like, yeah, but I'm, I'm getting your soul ready to inherit me. Because if you look at First Corinthians 15, It says that there is a particular body that you have to qualify for to even get into God's realm. And it's the body of life. Well, I had a great time today. Did you all have a great time today? (laughs) We are going to, um, I'm going to finish this, but you need to understand why God is pushing in on your behaviors. Why? He wants you to not, God doesn't want behavior modification. He wants soul conversion. And Psalm 19 tells you God wants soul conversion, because if you convert all of these things, your, your body will behave according to them. Well, I will see you Sunday at the embassy, home of the Congregation of the Mighty, where God stands here in Tulsa, Oklahoma on 31st Street, 7100, 31st Street, between Memorial and Sheridan. You're going to love it. It's a beautiful red brick church. It is lovely. Join us Sunday. Bring your friends and bring your soul. We'll work with that. We'll work on that for you. Share this with your friends again and again and again. Share it with every friend you know. Sit down with your family. You know, you men have been running around being told you're the head of your household. You're, you ought to be training your family according to this. If you're, really, if you're going to take the lead in their spiritual growth and their afterlife, these are things that you ought to be doing. Your family, not just you should learn to be attitudes. You should learn the Ten Commandments. You should learn all of that. But I want you to understand you, that you have to let them know God wants soul conversion and all of the things that we have told you about the soul, or, you know, about the law, rather. Well, you know, the law is done away with. And, no, no, not, that's not true. The law is not done away with. Jesus said it is. But then again, that's up there with that, uh, that degree class of errant teaching, you know. So, so a lot of folks got a Ph.D. in biblical error.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> what did I do? Um, well, it's the truth, okay? But if you go, I want to close on this passage because you need to think differently to live powerfully, and you can't think differently without new thought food. And it says here, this is a wonderful part of this, Psalm 19:7. the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the Lord. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous all together. That is Psalm nineteen, seven to 9. So tell me what about that is abolished? You have to understand that he starts with the law of the Lord is perfect. Paul said the law is good. It's meant to bring life. Read Romans 7. So all that, we, don't have, we have this lawless Christianity, this lawless church yet, that's not the almighty. Hey, if you were blessed today, sow a seed, sow a good seed. It'd be nice. I know it's the Christmas season, but that's the right. You could sow me a Christmas gift. I can get a Christmas seat, and then I can bless your Christmas. I'm going to do that anyway, but then I can bless your Christmas. But – So we see, I'm sure Rachel has it on the screen, I love you all dearly. I thank you for supporting me as you've supported me so robustly all these years. And I ask God to bless you, to bless your family, to bless your job. Those of you who say, okay, so my job let me go, that is a good thing because now you can dig into your soul and find out where the currency on your talents are because you have a talent that is meant to supply your needs. That's part of what you do. If you don't know what it is, you can contact us here at the embassy and you can or either go to prophetic ed and sign up for prophetic advisement and have somebody help you find your next generation talent and currency god put something in you that is to be transformed into currency to take care of your life to finance your finance your life so go online prophetic ed and then say, I want a prophetic advisement because I got laid off, because uh, my business closed down, because whatever you want, whatever the issue is. I want to find out what God has next for me. You will love it. Well, until Sunday, God bless you. Think differently. Live powerfully. <laughs> Bye. Say goodbye. Bye. <laughs> I thought she would have given us a bill, but okay, so we didn't get a bell. All right. <laughs>